0: That's me, live in the Prop Swap studios on a Thursday, and no Thursday night football, but always your football fix. And it's 1030, so you know what that means. It's game time. NFL Eagles insider, John McMullen, and more importantly, my good friend. John, how are you tonight? Doing well. I'm kind of enjoying no
1: Thursday night football. Can I say that? Um, how you? I'm a big fan of Thursday you?
0: night. Oh, come on, John. Are you one of those people? Because I've been bashing the, those people for weeks.
1: Yeah, I, 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 the the preparation, I think if you look at the entire history of Thursday Night Football, I mean, it, it's just, it, football's a game where you need a week to prepare. What I don't you? like Thursday
0: games. I, I'm with you from that standpoint. I mean, selfishly, I just like football. I, I want it all the time. Um but well, yeah. There's nothing
1: else. You know, we had a Tuesday night game, and I, you know, it was nice to have a Tuesday night game. But I'm just saying, if you play on a Sunday in a typical year, forget about COVID nineteen yeah. world. But if you play on a Sunday and then you got to play on a Thursday, nobody even practices. I mean, you got it's it's just there's barely any preparation, and and you've seen so many bad football games on Thursday night. I, I get it from a standpoint of you even would rather watch bad football than good anything else, which I think is where everybody is in the sports world at this stage. But yeah. I don't know. Get baseball, get basketball a
0: chance. No, I'm with you. But I, just why can't they schedule it where that doesn't happen? So play Thursday off your bye week or, or schedule it where – you don't have three days of preparation. I don't know. Maybe that's easier said than done.
1: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I mean they did, they have tweaked it to where, you know, you essentially uh, get that. It's not a full buy, but obviously you get a little extra preparation time and everybody's got to do it once. Um, but I, yeah, I, I mean,. Obviously, it's just a money grab. So from that standpoint, and now, by the way, that they've done Tuesday night football, which they've done in the past, obviously, the famous Joe Webb game uh, here in Philadelphia where the Eagles were, were, were forced to a Tuesday because of a blizzard. Um, that, that, that was the first game since that game. And I think, you know what? Uh, I think it's achieving network's ante up, They'll, they'll do that, too. I mean, if they get paid, they'll do it. They'll figure out a way.
0: There's going to end up being NFL football every night of the week, and maybe except for Friday.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's going to have the schedule makers pulling their hair out. But,
0: yeah, I mean, the, the problem is, I mean,
1: if it was easier to prepare uh, and it wasn't so, so difficult on, on the body, I think it would be a lot easier to do these things. But yeah. it's not. I mean, you can only play football once a week, and that means you got to figure out a way uh, how to make it all work. And, look, I, I'm not saying Thursday football is going away. It never is. It, it, but, uh, I mean, it's, it, the product itself is just not aesthetic. It's just not as good. But you could argue – The entire NFL is not as good as it once was because of a lack of preparation if you go all the way back Mm -hmm. to training camp and the fact that it scaled that back. So you can make all those arguments.
0: Yeah, no, that's a point I was going to make, but you hit the nail on the head, John. So let's get to some NFL headlines here uh, from today and new items. We have the Atlanta Falcons facility shut down. We have, correct me if I'm wrong here, but a new policy that requires – all players and team staff members to quarantine, even if their recent COVID test was negative. If they feel sick, you have to go into quarantine. So that could cause players to miss practices and games. Uh, and then the third item is Le'Veon Bell to the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, I think, well, the COVID stuff first, I think their concerns, uh, and you've seen it this week with the Eagles injury report, which is, you know, the past couple of weeks, it's been like a, a, a right Aid uh, receipt. <laughs> it's just so long. Uh, and a lot of it is illness. And people keep saying, and we've explained it on the show in the past, what, what the heck is going on? Why is everybody so sick? And it's not, I mean, I, I, I can't even tell you how many players have practiced over the years and how many players have played over the years with flu-like symptoms and just power through it, now you can't do that. So if you report that you have a bit of a scratchy throat, if you report that your nose is running, they're going to keep you away from the facility. Uh, and, And, you know, the NFL admitted this week that there's going to be guys missing games because of that issue, especially as flu season starts to kick into high gear um, and it hits. this season has was always going to be we said it a hundred times we'll say it a hundred more It's always going to be about adaptability it's always going to be about adjusting it's always going to be about perseverance and that's one of the things I'm, I'm most surprised the Eagles have failed to this point um, you talked about Atlanta uh, shutting down their facility Uh, They're still scheduled to play on Sunday. uh, And and they're playing the Vikings, another team that in the past was forced to close down their facility. Ironically, that was the week, the only game they won. So who knows? Atlanta hasn't won yet. Maybe they'll win. Um, But that's what it's going to be around the league. And it might not be whole teams, but it might be, you know, five, ten players potentially, certainly missing practice, and then you start talking about missing games. That's just the way it's going to be. And for Le'Veon, I'm just glad that, from that aspect, I'm just glad we can stop talking about it for the Eagles. I said there was no chance there. But I will guarantee one thing. Andy Reid will find a way. Mm -hmm. to use Le'Veon Bell better than Adam Gase. I guarantee that.
0: You're going out on a limb with that one. The water (laughs) is wet and the sky is blue. (laughs) I mean, come on. (laughs) Uh, The rich get richer. I I don't know if he's got
1: anything left, but we'll see. Uh, I mean, I I don't think he made the best decision in the world to sit out a year. I don't think that's ever good uh, for a, NFL player, especially at a, a skill position, uh, I think it really hurts you. Uh, he's never been the same. So you kind of ask yourself, is he not the same player he was in Pittsburgh, or did he just make a horrible decision uh, to go to the New York Jets? And you could certainly see either side of that. If he turns into Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh, whew, look out.
0: That ain't There's, happening.
1: I mean, yeah i i don't think it's gonna happen uh but you know the rich get richer if he's even three quarters of that
0: yeah no it's true and if anyone can do it it's andy Reid and, and the kansas city chiefs i mean just lining up behind patrick mahomes makes you better it will make me look better if i put pads and a helmet on and that's hard to do um john i have another Le'Veon bell-esque situation that can replace bell are you ready Maybe you can guess it. Can you guess it?
1: I cannot, but in my defense, I'm very tired, so I could be missing something obvious.
0: No, I mean, I didn't really give you much to work with. So (laughs) Bengals wide receiver, A.J. Green, he was caught on TV saying that he could be traded if the team didn't use him effectively. I'm just kind of catching up with this story. Um, But then he came out later today and said, he doesn't want to be traded, but he also was caught saying he does want to be traded, and he's frustrated with how he's been used.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, that would be – you're right. I mean, look, people are going – any name they've heard of, people want in this town. We know that. I, I mean, that's just the way it is. And everybody heard of A.J. Green. And if you're talking about A.J. Green in, at, at his height, that was a top-five receiver in football. Uh, that would be exactly – what the Philadelphia Eagles needed. He's not that, and I often use that word stasis. Everybody thinks star players are forever in a stasis. No, he's not even close to what he once was. Uh, He's an aging player on top of it. The Eagles need to get younger. Uh, They need to get less expensive as anything with the COVID-19 hit coming to the salary cap next season. So I give you the same proactive no, no, no. (laughs)
0: All right. Well, moving on from AJ Green, and I'm with you, by the way. I just thought that story was interesting and good timing right after talking about uh, Le'Veon Bell. I want to talk a little bit more, and we've been talking a lot about this, so sorry, not sorry, John. Um, Zach Ertz, and you didn't write this story, but I know you're heavily involved in Sports Illustrated, especially with Ed um, unraveling the mystery of Zach Ertz and his diminishing impact. And Zach talked a little bit more today, I believe. So how much worse can this get with Zach, or is this going to turn the corner quick because he's too talented, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, he is too talented. I I mean, he is a a great, uh, I would dare say at this point, an all-time great pass-receiving tight end. Um, Certainly not the best blocker in the world, never is going to be. Uh, But, you know, it's been a weird downturn as far as his production as a receiver goes. Part of it is uh, and and Doug has kind of explained, you know, he's the guy on the Eagles now when you don't have Deshaun Jackson out there, when you don't have Alshon Jeffrey out there, which is basically all the time now. um, Who do you double-team? Well, you double-team Zach Ertz, but that's happened to him a lot in the past and he still found a way to produce. So then you start asking yourself and that's what Ed was kind of right about it, so well, what the heck is going on? And we talked a lot on this show, not happy. And this contract situation is affecting him. He, he says he puts it to the side. He reiter, reiterated that today, but, <laughs> you know, actions speak louder than words. People have talked about his body language not being the same. I agree with that, by the way. Me too. You have enough, uh, a large enough sample size. To know what Zach Ertz is when he's right and to see what he looks like now, I, you just said you agree. I, I I think most people, if they're being honest, will say the body language is not great. And I, I, I keep pointing to that playoff game against Seattle. He played with a broken rib. He played with a lacerated kidney, and he feels disrespected because of the way Howie Roseman has handled his contract negotiations, whether it's extension, whether it's guaranteeing the money left on his contract. He thought something should have been done. It hasn't been done. He's upset.
0: All right, so let's get to an article you did write about, <laughs> um, phillyvoice.com. John writes for phillyvoice.com as well as Sports Illustrated at si.com. And today, an excellent piece by McMullen, and it's titled, Who's to Blame for Your Eagles Angst? Schwartz, Peterson, or Roseman? John, please discuss. (laughs) Well, it depends on the week. It depends if you're upset with
1: the (laughs) offense, the defense, the personnel. So it's sort of like a roadmap. Depending on what your angst is, who to point the finger blame at? Because, you know, people love blaming people uh, for lack of success. And. One of the things, uh, the most obvious reason is, okay, the talent's not great, so who's in charge of the personnel? And that's Howie Roseman. I I think it's interesting in Philadelphia because, and I think this dates back to Andy Reid and even Chip Kelly, because at times the head coach here has had significant personnel power. And at times – the head coach has been in charge of the roster altogether, both Andy Reid and Chip Kelly. So you've always heard this, and you've heard this, Ryan, numerous times people go, uh, is that a Howie pick? Was that an Andy pick? Was that a Joe Banner pick back in the day? Now it's, was that a Howie pick? Was that a Joe Douglas pick? (laughs) I mean, the part that I, 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 for some reason, People can't understand, and I don't know why it's so difficult to understand. It's now, in Philadelphia, it's a traditional GM head coach setup. And what that means is the GM is in charge of the personnel on the roster, and he hands that to the coaching staff. However, that doesn't mean other people aren't involved. Every GM in this league has a staff uh, of personnel department. They have the coaching staff, and the smart GMs want to get players that fit what the coach wants to do schematically. So everybody's involved. However, if you're the GM in charge of personnel, the buck stops with you. So every pick the Eagles make since the shift back to Howie Roseman is on Howie Roseman. It's not a Joe Douglas pick, it's not Doug Peterson. It's not Jim Swartz. It's Howie Roseman, and that's how it is. I mean, if you're in charge, you get, you get, you get lauded if it goes correctly, and you get to blame if it goes wrong. So I don't know why people have such difficulty figuring that part of it out. Now, if you're worried about the scheme offensively, that's Doug Peterson. If you're worried about the scheme defensively, that's Jim Swartz. So if you're looking to to blame people, at least point the finger in the obvious direction.
0: Yeah, but that's – all right. So you're right, and I agree with you, but I'm just trying to filter through. One, my immediate thought is has it always worked like this with Howie, Doug, and even Jim Schwartz, just the amount of communication and impact they all have collectively in – building this roster because why has it felt like John that it's gotten really worse here in the past couple years? Has it just been because it's taken a while to come to fruition, the poor quality or like, why does it feel worse in recent years than it has even in the early Howie years, the second time around? Well,
1: I I think the best comparison would be the Phillies with, with Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, that group. Um, they stayed with the stars too long. They got old, they got expensive, and they started to get injured because they were old, and all of a sudden you have these issues. And Howie admitted uh, after last season, he admitted, you know, when they won the Super Bowl, they thought the championship window was still open. So they went all in from 27 to 2019, and they let that core get too old, And they didn't make some difficult decisions, and they said they were going to turn the page. They kind of did early, and then I think COVID, I'm not going to say pumped the brakes, but at least slowed things down. Uh, And they're sort of trying to serve two masters now. They're trying to get a little bit younger, but they're trying to stay a contender. And I think when you do that, it becomes more difficult. Nobody in Philadelphia wants to hear the term rebuild. And, I, you know, I said this yesterday on the show. In the NFL, you don't have to rebuild. You really don't. Uh, if you make good decisions in, in a particular offseason, you sign maybe a, a couple solid free agents, and if you have ten picks like the Eagles did, you get five contributors. You, you can be a good football team, even if you're coming off, say, A five-six win season. This is not the NBA where you got to wait for a top-five pick. Um, You can turn things around very quickly in this league if you make the right decisions, and that's why I think Howie Roseman deserves the most criticism. And I mentioned this on the show yesterday as well. If you're looking, if if you're If you're grading on 2020 and saying, okay, the Eagles have a chance to be a playoff team. They have a chance to win the NFC East, and who knows from there. And you're picking a second-round pick that's not going to play, a handful of plays a game, and your third-round pick's not going to play at all because he's not ready to play. What the heck are you doing? Now, maybe if you fast-forward to 2023, and Jalen Hurts is your starting quarterback, and Davion Taylor turns into a star, we look at this differently. Short-term, those two picks are disasters. Short-term. All you can do now is hope long-term it it, it works out.
0: John, you wrote another great article on Sports Illustrated at SI.com, and this is interesting. I remember this uh, after reading it, but it wasn't at the forefront of any of my thoughts are on my mind here this week so Lamar Jackson and Greg Ward and the title of this article is with Lamar Jackson on deck Greg Ward ponders on what might have been so back in 2016 Greg Ward was the star quarterback at the University of Houston and they were playing Louisville number five in the country at the time and Greg Ward out dueled Lamar Jackson winning 36 to 10
1: yeah, I, I think a lot of people don't remember, for whatever reason, maybe because it was Houston. Greg was a heck of a quarterback in college, um, and, and he was a dual-threat quarterback. And You know, I, I mean, I, I'm not comparing him to Lamar Jackson. You know, people read the headline, and, and they think about things that way. I mean, Lamar Jackson is has a, a level of athleticism that is just off the charts. Probably, if you think about it, only Michael Vick, maybe maybe his backup now, now RG three before the injury. Those those are the only two players I could even think of that could be in the conversation uh, from an athleticism standpoint. But I, I think the the larger point was I think if if Lamar came before Greg Ward. Um, and turned into the star that he's become. I think he's changing the NFL in the way the NFL thinks. And, you know, it's interesting, talking to Greg a lot over the years, he knew at Houston, if he was going to go to the NFL, he was going to go as a wide receiver. He knew it as a star quarterback. And he told me every day after practice he would stay and run routes just with the mentality of, of trying to get to the NFL and, and trying to sharpen and get a head start on the transition to receiver. So the thought process being if Lamar came first and, and, and he changed and he shifted the NFL's thinking, do 5'11 dual threat quarterbacks be given more of a look? And you've already seen it with Kyler Murray. He's undersized. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm not saying, you know, as I said, Greg was a heck of a quarterback in college. Look at the numbers. Uh, he, he was tremendous. And I, I think if, he, if, if the timing was right, he might have been given an opportunity and think somebody would have brought him in as a potential third-string quarterback. And who knows, if you get an opportunity down the line, and that's what it was about. He was not He was never going to be a first-round pick. Uh, he doesn't have, have that type of athleticism. But I think because of Lamar Jackson and others, but mainly Lamar, people look at the – he's the template for the modern NFL quarter, quarterback. And I think it will open the doors for a lot of dual-threat quarterbacks as we
0: move forward. I don't think people realize, John, you know, I, I had the opportunity – to go down to the Super Bowl for Radio Row for um, an old show. And um, Lamar Jackson walked right by me at Radio Row, and I was like, this dude is tiny. I mean, it, it's, like, <laughs> it's like seeing Allen Iverson in person for the first time like when he was at his prime. You're like, holy bleep. Like, you don't realize how short he is when you watch him on TV.
1: Now, yeah, and, and, and he's probably got two inches on Greg, so that tells you how small Greg is. So <laughs> they were never going to look at him as a quarterback, Greg Ward. But even you go back to Lamar Jackson, who, by the way, was picking, was chosen number 32 overall, uh, when, remember, the Eagles had that pick and traded out. <laughs> I'm surprised <laughs> more people don't bring that out. But obviously they were coming off a of Super Bowl, so they weren't thinking about taking Lamar Jackson. But how it's turned out, I'm surprised more people don't bring that up. Um, but you remember leading up to that draft, Ryan, there were there were still people saying, well, Lamar should run routes at the combine. Yep. A few teams said that. And yeah, he's like, I'm a quarterback, I'm staying a quarterback. And uh, there were a lot of question marks. This was not the number one overall pick. This was not a top five pick, not even a top ten pick. This was number 32 overall and I remember that was a year I picked him. I said the entire process, he's going to get picked at number 32. The Eagles are going to trade out. Not because I'm a genius, but because if you have that first-round pick, you have the extra year. So more often than not, when there's a quarterback that's sort of fringing between the first and the second round, you want him with that thirty-two, that 32nd pick in case if he does hit, and it happened years before with Teddy Bridgewater, he was taking 32. Uh, you have that extra option here that fifth year option um, and that's where Lamar was going to go and sure enough that's where lamar went went uh, but there were so many questions about him and now you fast forward guys tw- i think twenty three and four is a starting quarterback now that's the regular season he certainly had his troubles in the playoffs, but he is changing this game and he is so difficult to deal with as I said he is opening door I don't think if Lamar Jackson doesn't exist, I, I don't think even Kyler Murray is the number one pick. I don't. I, I think he's later. And I'm not saying he wouldn't be a high pick. He certainly would have been. But he yeah. wouldn't have been number one.
0: No, it's, it's a good point. And, you know, the trickle down effect from one megastar like that in any sport, but we're seeing it now with Lamar Jackson. And I think Kyler Murray is the perfect, uh, you know, example. Of that, John, we have about a minute and a half left. Minute left. Um, Eagles personnel use frequency. I saw this. You tweeted out earlier today, and I laughed. Eleven personnel takes the lead, baby. Fans, (laughs) sit down. (laughs)
1: Only because Dallas got it too. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I was joke. I mean, Doug would rather play more eleven personnel. I don't know, joke. I know it for a fact. I mean, he just hasn't been able to because the receivers stink. He had two good tight ends. Uh, now, as we're starting, and who knows what Travis uh, Fulgan. We talked about that yet, yesterday. I, I think he deserves to stay on the field at least until he plays his way off the field, and we'll see about Deshaun Jackson. all Jeffrey—they've both been limited at practice this week.
0: Are they? I do gonna, think they're, they're going to pump, okay, pump the
1: brakes on all Do you uh, think they're going to Deshaun? Play? I don't know. I mean, Deshaun—it it literally comes down to. This is a guy who, uh, he doesn't want to get on the field unless he feels like 100%. He he, he he proved that last year with the core muscle injury, and, you know, he's 33. He's not going to feel 100%. Nobody, you know, we all as we all get older, guess what? Uh, you don't feel great every single day. No. And there's players who are 33 that fight through it, and he's one that, doesn't like to play through it. I don't know how to any other way to
0: describe it. <laughs> uh, I, it's it's not a good sign, man. His tenure here, the second time around, has um, not been too eventful. Thank you, Johnny Mac, as always.